The Spin-Off Podcast Network. You're listening to Business is Boring, a podcast that reckons it's anything but. Business is Boring is brought to you by SparkLab, offering inspiration and practical advice to help businesses find their edge. To hear more about SparkLab, including details about the latest events, workshops, and business tools, visit sparklab.co.nz. And now, here's your host, Simon Pound. You're listening to Business Is Boring, a podcast that wants to prove it's anything but. Business Is Boring is made by the spin-off with help from Vodafone Zone. Please welcome your host, Simon Pound. In 2003, there wasn't much of a computer game development industry in Aotearoa. But an entrepreneur that loved games, graphics and design set out to change that and to make a PlayStation game, not worrying that they didn't even have access to the Sony development kit. They managed to assemble a team, make a prototype and sell the idea internationally, all on their first hit out. This pioneering approach has continued for Maru Nihoniho, whose Metia Interactive has gone on to make games that carry great messages and outcomes in amongst the fun of playing. There was Sparks with the University of Auckland that gamified treating depression with great success, winning awards and getting written up in the British Medical Journal. There was The Guardian with a wahine toa, a strong Māori woman lead, a damsel doing the rescuing and the distressing. And an idea I love, Māori Power Wars, a take on the traditional tower defence game available in te reo and quietly telling stories from history. Maru has been recognised for services to gaming and mental health with a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit and has been appointed by the Crown to the Board of Māori Television. Tēnā koe, thank you very much for being here. Kia ora, kia ora. Nice, to, uh, nice to have you along. Mm-hmm. Ha- tell me, how did you first come to um, be interested in games? Well, there's the long story and there's the short story. We love the long story. <laughs> okay, the long story. I guess uh, my interest in games um, stemmed from when I was about 10 or 11 years old. Um, Mum used to sort of say to me, you know, what do you want for dinner? And I'd head up the road to the local fish and chip shop and grab some takeaway. So I'd go up and uh, order my fish and chips and I'd put the change into the spaces. And I, know, I remember standing there playing these games, looking at the screen and thinking to myself, how did they make these games? You know, how did, how did they get these graphics moving? And, and I've been quite curious about, you know, not necessarily playing them, but just how did they make them? Of course, I enjoyed playing them. Yeah. Um, and then I'd get home and mum would be like, wow, where have you been? Where's the change? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And where's the change? <laughs> So I didn't play a lot, you know, it was a once in a while thing, but I remember uh, thinking to myself, how did they make these games? Mm. And so my, I guess, hobby or my sort of passion for game playing started at a young age. And um, as I got older, you know, through high school, I think I spent just as much time in the spaces um, up the road than I actually did in school. Um, And that was you know, interesting journey in itself. Uh, in those days as well, you couldn't sort of, 
I'm going to go to mum and say, can I have a dollar? And she'll be like, what for? And I'll be like, so I can go and play Spaces? So she would just be like, no, <laughs> go and do something else. Um, so we learnt to be quite resourceful. You know, as a group of teenagers that, um, uh, I guess all I can say about this is we weren't, it wasn't like we weren't interested in learning. I think um, being at high school in those days, it was more about we weren't interested in learning what we were being taught. Because we were learning stuff outside of the classroom all the time. Made it might not have been, you know, the right thing to do, you know, not being in school and sort of learning your way through life. But I mean, that made up my journey, you know, to where I am today. So when I think about my interests um, with gaming from a young age and where I am today, everything kind of makes sense. You know, it was like interested in games. I enjoyed playing them. I wondered how they were made. The subjects at school that I did enjoy were technical drawing, um, science. And I I loved the practical hands-on, getting my fingers dirty, collecting bugs and, you know, and all that kind of stuff and studying them. Um, But unfortunately, my, um, I guess my assessment results didn't reflect my interest. And uh, when I saw that, I wasn't doing so well, then I really lost interest in school, you know, and I thought, well, what's the point of being here? Yeah. You know, the things that um, I actually do like doing um, at school, you don't seem to be coming through, you know, in terms of my um, results. So I left school. Nice way to put it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I left school. and um, Quite young or? Um, just after my fifth form yeah. school C. Um, I said to mum, I don't want to go back to school. It's boring. I'm not learning anything. And she said, all right, well, if you're going to leave school, you're going to go and get a job. And I said, yes, I'll go and get a job. Easy. But it wasn't. And I had no um, experience with working. I didn't have any qualifications. Um, My first job was actually being a volunteer in an op shop in Lower Hutt. And payment was help yourself to clothes or shoes or you know, whatever. And, um, I mean, that wasn't any more interesting than school, but what it did give me, I suppose, was um, some kind of work experience, you know, well, in retail anyway. So customer service, cash handling skills, and um, stock take. You know, we had to sort those clothes out and shoes out, put them away. And, uh, you know, so it just gave me some sort of start in my working life. Um, That didn't last very long. I moved on to, um, well, moved into hospitality after that, waitressed for years. Uh, When I was old enough, I got behind the bar, could serve alcohol, Uh, eventually became bar manager, uh, restaurant manager, and a few years later, ended up owning my own restaurant as well with my now husband. So that was 14 years in hospitality. But during those 14 years, I still played games. So I got my Sega Mega Drive and right up until now with my PlayStation 4. So I always had this interest in, in just playing games. And I remember in, um, when I was at Tata College, we had uh, computer studies, I think in the fourth form. And I mean ancient, pre-Windows. Mm. <laughs> uh, and we'd learned how to, to well, do some basic coding to draw images. 
So, and that was one of the subjects I really, really enjoyed and I really wanted to do. There was a clash in subjects at the time, so I couldn't take it for my fifth form year. Um, so it's just really funny how things now have come round to everything I was interested in when I was a teenager. You know, games, enjoyed computer studies, technical drawing. Um, I was brought up with a mum that um, encouraged creativity, so it all kind of blended together into what I'm doing now. Yeah. But because of those negative feedback loops about school, like not accepting, uh, you, you know, different ways of learning and, and not having those interests, it's mm. it's so amazing that, you know, that, that door was shut uh, so, so mm. early. But then through kind of work ethic and um, obviously a real entrepreneurial bent, you know, to own a restaurant 14 years later is an amazing yeah. achievement from there. Where, where did you come to be sitting at that point and go, um, I've got a restaurant, things are going pretty well, yeah. maybe I should go back to school and start all over again. <laughs> well, it kind of was like that. I mean, I remember, um, you know, I've always got this sort of enjoyment of playing games and, and you know, it was, I guess, working. It was like a hobby, you know, it's like what you do when you get home now and you watch Netflix. Mm. Well, back then I'll get home and play on the PlayStation or, or whatever. Um, and I remember, you know, literally waking up one day thinking to myself, this is not really what I want to do. This was just something I did because I couldn't do anything else. I'm, I did a pretty good job of it, worked my way up, learned everything I, I could about the hospitality industry until I got to that point. But it wasn't a passion. Mm. You know, it was, um, yeah, as I said before, just something I did because I dropped out of school and, and couldn't do anything else. I didn't have a skill set to, to get into gaming at that point. Or anything, it wasn't even an option to me. I didn't even know it was a pathway. No, no, and you know. Well, I mean, 2003 isn't that long ago. No. But like, you know, <laughs> yeah. not, not to sound like you've come in here on a Zimmer frame, you know, yeah. like, but like yeah. there wasn't really an industry in New Zealand to speak of in 2003, no. was there? No. Um, at that, that time, I remember, would have been about 15 years ago now, I remember thinking to myself, you know, I want to make games just out of the blue. And I've always played them. And I said to my husband, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go make computer games. And he was like, I know you like playing them, <laughs> but making them? And I was like, yeah, yeah, I reckon I can do it. I reckon I can give it a good go. And he was like, Ooh, have you had enough sleep? <laughs> Are you tired? I was like, no, 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 I'm serious. You know, I want to do this. I want to, you know, if you don't do it, you won't know. And so I went and looked for a course actually here in Auckland. I was like, I need to find a video game development course or something along those tracks that's gonna sort of help me into the industry. Um, and at that time, you know, there wasn't mm. any. So I did the next closest thing I could, which was a diploma in multimedia. So it gave me the basics of animation, graphics, um, web design and, and all that. So that was the closest thing I could find. Um, I spent a year on that course. At that stage, my children were about three and five um, in Kohanga all day while I was doing my course. Rush down, pick them up, go home, carry on my research or study, still doing the restaurant admin stuff on the side. You know, so that went on for a year. That was really tough. Mm. Um, but I came out and I finished the course and decided, yeah, right, I'm definitely going to give this a go. And that's when I um, started Meteor Interactive and 
that's when I started my journey overseas. Because at the time, you know, once I had made that decision, I started looking around in New Zealand as well. Who are the game developers here? And I think there would have been about three. Mm. One of them was in Wellington. At that time, they were She Interactive, now Pipcock, and a couple of other independent developers. So, yeah, I didn't have, um, you know, not like now. There's a lot of game development companies around developing for types of platforms, whether mm. it's the phone or the Xbox. It's a great local industry now. Yeah, yeah, it's really growing. It's really great to see, and you can sort of bounce ideas off each other and, hey, how's it going and how did you do this and can you hook me up with, you know, this publisher here or there or or, or whatever. But in those days it wasn't like that. You so know, I, I rung Wellington a few times like, hey, guys. <laughs> what, 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 yeah. what did you do? How did you um, manage to, you know, get out there to the world and sell that first uh, concept internationally? Oh. You know, what was it yeah. like turning up as like a, a young woman from New Zealand, like in, a, in yeah. an industry that... They wouldn't have known about New Zealand. They wouldn't have known about like, anything. Yeah. yeah, you're right there. I mean, that was really tough, you know, because once I decided and I set up Meteor and I thought, right, I'm heading over to LA, going to the E3 mm. conference. I'm going to do this. I'm going to find out all about the industry and meet people and it's going to be fun, just like gaming. Well, I got there. <laughs> I remember my first conference, I got to LA got to the um, convention centre and it was just jam-packed full of people, like thousands of people. There was uh, games on display, there were you know, talks in the other side of the, the centre and I remember feeling lost. And I was just sort of standing there going, well, I was lost and amazed actually, but lost as in, I didn't know anybody and I didn't really know where to start. It was like, okay, who do I talk to? Now, where are these people at? So I spent the first day there just wandering around, having a look at all the games that were out there on display, coming out, what's the new platform. That's when I noticed the PlayStation Portable. I was like, oh, a mobile gaming device, very cool. Um, and, you know, it, it was very difficult, not to mention that out of all those thousands of people that were there, very few of us were female. Mm. You know, and it was like... Um, Where's all the ladies at? <laughs> what, what, what kind of very few? Like kind of um, hundreds, tens, out of oh, thousands? Like tens. Tens, yeah. <laughs> it was tens. Um, and it was funny because we all sort of eventually found each other and gravitated toward each other and sort of hung out, which was really cool because now some of those ladies are way up there in the industry you know, that, and we were all in the same boat uh, back then. And so it was quite, you know... What do I do? You know, how do I get in front of these people? Because I could see my male peers, other game developers, approaching um, publishers easily. Hey, mate, you know, my, I'm from wherever and I've got this really cool game idea and let's head on down to the bar for a drink and discuss it. And then off that go and I'll be like, okay, I really can't do that. <laughs> it's not going to work out very well. And I remember standing there thinking to myself, so how am I going to stand out? You know, never mind that there's thousands of people here, but obviously, you know, I'm one of very few females here, so who's going to take notice of anything I've got to say? And it was quite a dilemma, actually. It was like, right. So, you know, the thoughts were flashing through my head and, and all that, and then I sort of stood back and I thought, well, 
I can't be anybody but just myself. So I'll just be myself and I'll just be brave and go up to a publisher and say, hi, my name's Maru and I'm a games designer because at that time I hadn't developed any games. And um, I think I've got this idea that you might be really interested in and they'll sort of stand back and look at me and go, where are you from? <laughs> the accent. And I'd be like, New Zealand. You know, and they'd be like, oh, right, yeah, Lord of the Rings and, <laughs> you know, Whale Rider or, or something like that. It would just be something familiar that they know about New Zealand. And so that would be the conversation starter. So I'd have to talk about New Zealand for a good, like, half an hour or whatever and then eventually come back to my idea. So it was like, all right, don't fuss about, you know, how am I going to get in front of these people? Just do it. You know, just go up and what's the worst thing that's going to happen? They're just going to say, oh, sorry, we're not interested. And then I'll go and try someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was um, quite challenging. And, and after quite a bit of quite a bit of pushing, you managed to, to sell it and into international release. And I mean, yeah. had, had anyone even sold a, a PlayStation game out of New Zealand before that? Is it? Yes, that company in Wellington. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she Interactive had done that before. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I thought, well, if they could do it, you know, being from New Zealand, then I can. Tell me about Sparks, which is like such an interesting thing um, yeah. with using a, a computer game to help treat depression and, and, and really effectively treat depression. Yeah, no, I mean, I was approached by um, a team at Auckland University and it, they had asked me to develop a game based on cognitive behavioural therapy. And I was like, Okay, in the back of my mind, I was like, what is cognitive behavioural therapy? <laughs> Learned very quickly what it was, and I understood, oh, right, it's a therapy to help with, you know, mood and, and depression. Okay, I got that. And I did say to them, look, I'm, you know, I've developed a game now, and this is quite different. This has got a serious outcome. And, um, you know, I haven't worked on a game like this before. And they said to me, that's all right, we haven't made a game before. So you are the game developer. We are the, you know, psychologist, psychiatrist. We'll work together to make this happen. And I was like, okay, cool. That sounds great to me. So that's exactly what we did. Um, the idea then turned into game design. So the brief was for uh, to make Sparks accessible for our rangatahi, for young people in New Zealand um, that are uh, suffering with mild depression. And it was kind of that thought about using a powerful platform um, with games, because games are interactive, they're immersive, you can do play or do games in your own time, that it made you know, perfect sense to have um, e-based therapy you know, through gaming. It's like, okay, you know, young people are a bit hesitant sometimes to ask for help, and if this is a tool that they can use, that will sort of build their confidence or give them an understanding about their mental health, then, you know, this is a really great thing. So I, I really warmed up to this idea quite quickly. It was, I was a bit hesitant because of the serious nature of, mm. of the game, but understanding the benefits and how it could help our young people, you know, it became exciting and something I really wanted to do. In fact, it was... Um, the beginning of me thinking about more serious um, content. And I don't mean serious, because serious sounds so serious, but um, I guess more meaningful content. 
you know, something with a learning objective. And I kind of touched on that with Cube, you know, different way of thinking and mental rotational skills and all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was almost like it was leading me on this pathway of developing games that were, yeah, I guess that were more uh, educational, mm. you know, but using the entertainment platform to deliver the message. And um, yeah, so working on Sparks was a great experience. Um, we got to work with many different types of people, young people, clinicians, youth workers, psychiatrists, psychologists. Um, I learned a great deal about mental health, and it was our first step towards um, yeah, serious gaming, as it's called. T- tell me about the results of that, because you know, being written up in the, the, the British Medical Journal, um, yeah. it, you know, uh, increasing the numbers of people um, successfully... Um, getting through mild depression uh, versus the control, like really amazing results. Yeah, totally amazing. I mean, it's another tool that our young people can access, um, build their confidence because it showed, you know, through the you know the studies that young people were more likely to ask for help after playing Sparks, and and that was the point. You know, mm. that well, one of the points was our young people feel a little bit shy or they don't want anyone to know. Uh, that they may have a problem. So after playing Sparks, they were more likely to go and ask for help. And, you know, so for me it's like, well, this really does work. Mm. You know, well, it is working. And, um, you know, the thing with Sparks, it's not meant to replace therapy as usual. It's a tool that can be used, you know, so it gives you um, important messages and it gives you exercises to do and it builds, I would say, it builds confidence, you know, and, yeah, uh, it's it's a cool thing. <laughs> and, and quite an elegant kind of um, um, meeting up, you then went on and made, you know, a number of other things, but one of them, Takaro, which is such a cool thing, which yeah. helps uh, young students um, get more interested and see that there can be a career for them in those STEM subjects. And just the kind of things that you didn't see a space for yourself in when, when yeah. you were a, a kid at school and now yeah. you're making these games that, that create those spaces. Yeah, yeah no, that, um, that game, the game Tarkoro that we're making right now is something that I would have loved to have had, you know, at school. I think that if that was around back then, mm. I would have probably had a clear direction and the pathway I wanted to take, you know, and probably stayed at school and took subjects that were quite relevant to help me move forward in that um, direction. But again, as it turns out, I got into gaming, which was an interest from a young age, developed these games right now, developing Takaro, which gives an understanding. So what I want Takaro to do is give people, because it doesn't have to be young kids, Mm -hmm. it could be anyone that doesn't understand coding concepts, but an idea about how, what they are, what how it works, you know, and it's not as hard as what people might think it is. You know, it's sort of like putting that same learning objective into a game, making it fun and immersive in a real self-directed way. You can do it in your own time. And um, I think once, well, I'll talk about, you know, our, our kids now. I think once they realise that what they're doing is essentially 
a very similar or the same kind of thing you would do in coding, or just understanding the systems thinking and all that, um, that they may move forward into a pathway that may lead them into technology, whether it's gaming or, or something else. And I, it's sort of just giving that understanding. So again, Takaro would be a tool um, which will you know, educate in some one form or another, in this case, coding concepts. And if that person is still interested after playing the game, then they can move forward and say, okay, look, I've always wanted to program robots. I really think I can now. You know, it's not as hard as what I thought it was. And, and then head off to uni or Unitech or wherever and go and study. So it's sort of like giving an opportunity or giving a tool that otherwise they might not know about. Because it's not just kids, it's parents too. And if parents don't know there's a pathway there, then how can they encourage their children into that same pathway? Um, so it's yeah, a lot about trying to educate parents. And so the game set, well, the game Takaro that I'm building now can be for the parents. You know, they can log in and, and play it and see what their kids are doing. Um, so, yeah, I think the exact game that I'm doing right now, Takaro, would have been perfect for me. Mm. And I'm not trying to say that every kid should study tech, and it won't suit all or um, children, but it's just offering another way. You know, it just sort of gets those thinking hats on about, mm. wow, what else can I do? I mean, our kids are so good at using technology, and you know, I'm sure that they can create it too. And... Um, you know, the way the future is going, they'll probably have to create their own jobs as well, mm. you know, their own work. And so it's sort of understanding um, how easy it could be mm. for for some of our um, kids to move forward into the tech business and something that I would have loved to have had. And to let people know that there's there's room for them, even if maybe they haven't got the typical pathways. Like um, you've done yeah. that as part of your masters, haven't you? Which is yeah. like so so cool the way that um, you've made lifelong learning uh, a thing. After you know, yeah. not not every kid that leaves at the end of fifth form um, yeah. is able to then go on and like you know complete a masters. Yeah, that was a bit of a surprise for me. <laughs> um, I'd heard about the master's degree. Um, I looked at it and I thought, oh, there's no way I can do this. You know, my time is just so short anyway. I don't know how am I going to squeeze in a master's as well. Um, until I started reading more about it, it was an applied practice, so we have to actually make something, research, make it. And so when I sort of looked at the detail, or well, the details in more detail, I realised that, hey, actually, this could work quite nicely with what I do at Meteor. So I brought Takaro into my master's, and I'm glad I did. You know, I mean, I had the idea for Takaro a couple of years ago, and it seemed like it would be the perfect fit. Um, I bought, I decided to do the master's, I brought in the, the project, and um, now it's almost ready for release to our stakeholders first. Um, so this is part of my research to gather data, analyse data, and see if the game actually works as I say it will. So basically increasing interest in technology. And I think the biggest thing though is bringing my 
game into my masters made me look at the game from a different point of view. So I wasn't looking at it just from a purely commercial basis and how I could monetize this. I mean, that's still there, but you know, it was just not sort of one-sided thinking. It was more about um, research, deep thinking, critical thinking. You know, actually, what is the problem I'm trying to solve? You know, and in doing that, I realised that how this sort of game would have benefited a teenager like me back then, potentially benefiting our teenagers right now or even our children. Mm. You know, so yeah, I got to think about it from, or look at it from a different point of view, which was really, really helpful. So it would be a better product now than if I hadn't taken it into um, the master's program. And yeah, so it just ended up working out perfectly Mm. fine, you know. Yeah, that, that's so cool bringing, um, you, you know, getting that kind of like higher higher perspective on the, the work you're doing there. And is that something that carries on into your governance work? Because, um, I mean, having an, the perspective of like a small business person, um, an entrepreneur yeah. through restaurants and hospitality, uh, running a design yeah. studio, international sales, IP and protection, yeah. creating interactive stuff, like uh, bringing all that experience and then getting into governance um, and, and onto the Māori Television Board. What's yeah. that like? Well, that was a big surprise. You know, um, when I found out I had been um, nominated to the board, I was like, whoa, television, broadcast, why me? <laughs> I don't have any experience in broadcast, you know, and I was a bit worried. And then I thought, governance, wow, you know, that's a new one for me as well. So I thought about it for a while and, and I had to talk to you know, a couple of people about it. And and they said to me, you know, Maru, the way things are going, you know, broadcast television is being disrupted and all this kind of stuff, um, then it's not their, your broadcast experience they want you for. Mm. It'll be for your um, digital experience, your business experience, what you've done to get to the point where you are now is quite an amazing thing. And I was like, all right, okay okay, well, let's do this, and said yes. Yeah. Do, do you think yeah. that kind of that self-effacement and that, you know, extreme modesty you have about that, like your list of accomplishments is massive, you know, and, uh, I, you know, I talk often to people on this podcast about, you know, what things are actually stopping having uh, women uh, at the top levels of governance and the like, and something that comes up is that, you know, men are taught from a young age to put themselves forward when they're not qualified, well, mm. women that somehow absorbed through the culture, like a thing of like being overqualified and still not feeling like they belong somewhere. Yeah, I know. I guess for me, it's sort of putting myself forward hasn't really been a driver. Mm. You know, it's sort of like I just want to do stuff and I just want to be successful in what I do. And, and you know, if I come up with a game idea, I want to see it out there published on the market, whatever. You know, it, those. that's how I measure my successes mm. you know is just whenever I've completed a goal or or an objective and and then I'm happy it's like okay mm. I'm good you know and so sometimes to be recognized for um like when we got the award for sparks at the United Nations award that was like really that's amazing and that's awesome and I'm you know praising the the game and and everything else thinking oh wonderful the game got it and people are praising me mm. <laughs> Wow, you did that game. I was like, oh, yeah, but I'm only, you know, 
that I just designed it, you know. It was I just saw it as something I just did. I didn't really see it as something that I was ever going to get an award for. And I guess that's the same when I received the New Zealand Order of Merit. It was such a big surprise. And, you know, I always wondered who nominated me. <laughs> you know, because it was like, well, somebody has been, you know, following my journey and and looking at my achievements and to receive the um, the Order of Merit was, like, massive. Mm-hmm. I mean, I felt like I was sort of floating on air for a moment because I'd never, ever expected that in a million years. And, um, you know, so I've kind of had to learn that when I am awarded for something, it is for something, mm-hmm. you know, quite special. You know, it's not just, oh, yeah, I did that. Cool, <laughs> you know. And also, do you think you know? There's that whole thing of you can't be it if you can't see it. And so, if people can see you, uh, you know, m- making making stories like um, the Guardian with strong Maori figures uh, mm-hmm. as the, um, the, the 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 heroine, or uh, like I love that um, Maori uh, power wars where you're using yeah. kind of like te reo and uh, Maori yeah. concepts of history uh, to just make a fun game. Like, if, but people can see you doing that yeah. and, and being successful and and you know selling the games and getting the market for them and being awarded it it opens up pathways yes I mean a lot of what I do now is go and talk to our kids in schools Mm. you know and I mean lots of presentations because uh yeah it's like okay I'm doing it I'm out there doing it I'm Māori a Māori woman um which is quite inspirational for our um Māori community Mm. and and knowing that I have had success and I am doing what I'm doing and I have been awarded and, and all this, mm. then it has automatically, I guess, made me a role model mm. to our young kids, you know, so they can see that, oh, look, she's doing it, I can do that. And absolutely that's what I tell them. So you absolutely can do what I'm doing. In fact, by the time, you know, technology evolves and all that, imagine the type of games that you're going to end up creating (laughs) you know it's just like um them seeing somebody else do it you know that's just like them Mm. you know and so that for me is yeah quite a a big driver yeah is to inspire our kids yeah and and things that are so uniquely of this place which is um which is cool in a in a video game industry i mean we have got a good like local industry but you know there aren't that many um Stories and and the wider world of entertainment that are just purely of this place, which is um, which is a cool cool thing to, uh, to be contributing. I reckon. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we're so unique down here in mm. Aotearoa. You know, really, we've got um, stories to tell, mm. and so for me, it's like, hey, well, why can't we tell our own stories? You know, because even though I'm in tech, I use a tech platform really for storytelling. You know, so when people say to me, "You're a game designer," and I'm like. Yeah, storyteller, you know, storyteller. Game, games are the platform where I deliver the story. Um, so I, I say to these young kids, hey, you can um, tell your stories on the digital platform as well. You don't have to learn how to program them, um, but if you have the story and you know where you want it to be, then you can make it happen. And, I mean, because that's exactly what I did. There's that one again. There's that one. <laughs> There's that one again. <laughs> And, and, and are there, um, you, you know, uh, to, to jump into the questions that we ask everyone, like, well, what is that advice that you, you, you know, you've kind of been touching on it there, but when a, when a young person, or not a young person, when anyone who's mm. wanting to be an entrepreneur and like, and, and uh, make that jump, what do you tell them? Oh, 
one of the things is if Oh, should I wait till that horn stops? <laughs> I reckon it's good. It's like oh, it's like okay. a background background tune. <laughs> All right then, I'll keep talking. This is important, ball. Yeah, <laughs> important announcement. Um, one of the things you know that I, especially with me, have learnt is that if you don't do it, you will never know. And I just take that first step. I mean, okay, the path. Sometimes you have a clear path ahead of you. You know where you want to go, and you know what you want to do and you can see it right at the end of that tunnel. But really, that road or that path ahead isn't straightforward. It wobbles, it turns, it detours, and that's either because something didn't quite go your way or because you found something that would be extremely helpful, that if you did that, it will help on your journey forward. So basically, I just tell people when they say, how I'm looking to get into games or I'm looking to start a business, it's like, look, if you've done your research and you know there's a market out there, then just go ahead and do it. You know, take that first step um, because you, you'll never know if you don't try. And I've met people before that have come up to me and said, I want to start a game design business just like you. And we'll talk for you know, a good while about my journey, how I did it. And then I'll say, so just take the first step. And some do and some never did. And, you know, it's like, okay, well, you, it's not going to happen if you don't do it. And do you have any words you live by or mottos or things you tell yourself when things get tough? Uh, well, I have lots of them. Yeah? <laughs> I talk to myself a lot, you know, well, usually in my head. But, <laughs> you know, and it's all about, um, you know, just encouraging myself. You know, it's about keep going, you know, because things do get tough. I mean, even now... I mean, it was tough in the beginning, really, really hard. And now it's easier, but there's still moments of, ooh, you know, how am I going to do this or, or that? So, and still in those moments, I'll tell myself the same story. You know, I find that I'm inspired by others, you know, and that my own work keeps me motivated. You know, because if I see something that I've started and it's half finished, and I look at it and I'm like, finish it <laughs> it's going to be awesome but you got to finish it if you don't finish it you can't get it out there take the advice of others you know sometimes it may not be right but you just sit there and you listen and sometimes when you're listening to somebody like you know someone's given me advice before and said you know you should think about doing this or doing that be really good and do it this way and do it that way and in my mind I'm like yeah nah you know I'm not going to do that but I'll listen you know, and then other people give me advice and say, you know, what about this or that? And I'll be like, that's a bloody good idea. Mm. <laughs> you know, so I think listen to other people's advice. You don't have to take it, mm. but just listen because it can spark another idea in your mind. Yeah, yeah. And, and can help. Like um, I, I, I got given some good advice, which was uh, look for the patterns. So get get advice from everyone and then. Don't yeah. yeah like look yeah. for the patterns in there and, and yeah, try try yeah. and respond to those rather than taking it all which yeah. um yeah. yeah like but you do have to listen to see yeah. the to, to, to that's get right you have to yeah. listen you have to have quite an I think an open mind as well and not be stuck like not have this mindset where that's what I want to do and that's the only way I'm going to do it mm. because it doesn't work like that you know you've got to be able to um, adapt and change and have these little pivots here and there. Um, with your goal in mind, you know, you always keep that's your focus where you're moving to, but just be prepared to um, change a bit, 
and and really have an open mind about things in general. Mm. You know, not just about your own business and your own path, but you know what's happening in the world around you. You know, different events, issues, whatever it is. Just really have a an open mind and and think. You know, think a lot. Um, yeah. Ah, that's so yeah. cool. Well, thank you so much, Maruni Honeho of Metia Interactive. Uh, thank you for coming and chatting to us yeah. today. And yeah, can't wait to see what you do next. Yes, won't be long. Things will be out there very soon. <laughs> uh, cool. Thank you very much to Madeline Chapman for producing. And thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Business is Boring, presented by Simon Pound. All this was brought to your ears by the spin-off and Vodafone Zone. From the Spin-Off Podcast Network, that was Business is Boring. Brought to you by Spark Lab. Make sure you're following Business is Boring wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information on Spark Lab, visit sparklab.co.nz. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.